Welcome to the after party. I'm your host, Leland Steele. <laughs> this is the behind the curtain part of the podcast where we talk about. <laughs> oh, I think you were spot on there until the end. Uh, where we talk about all the mistakes we made. I, I, we talk about anything and everything. That did. That was very. T-Hud-esque. I didn't have it ready. I should have <laughs> hey, had it ready. We can't go promoting the other podcast already. It's not time for that yet. Yeah, not till the end of the show, Bill. That's right. Okay. Hold off, Bill. So, we're here to talk about uh, episodes episodes 10, 11, and 12, correct? Or sessions, or sessionsodes. Yep. Yeah, can I retry that intro again real quick? I'm sorry, it's it's already locked in. It's Yeah, no. <laughs> no. It's, no, it's locked in. <laughs> You had to come prepared if you write yourself a script, like I do. Where we talk about everything episodes 10, 11, and 12. Leland can totally edit that oh, back yeah, together, I'll, I'm I'll sure. I'll those together, no problem. He'll, he'll do that All for right, sure. <laughs> Definitely make me look a little bit better. Awesome. So this was a pretty combat-heavy session, right? Between more, more 12, definitely. Yeah, the entirety of 12 was all combat, and like half of 11. Yeah, that's quite a bit. I think that's our longest run so far yeah yeah falzerin stole the show <laughs> goes are gonna smash falzerin spit take <laughs> spit take yeah so uh, we sort of started out i think uh getting the the actual second job from detmer yep yep and uh we went in and we've been hired to depower the towers if i recall correctly yeah Yeah. two of them i think right to bring back the artifacts that power them to take them to golden to yeah to bring them back to golden yeah and we had a little fun and magic 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 bill would you like to uh talk about you said it wrong i I would not like to talk about it magic 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 okay (laughs) that's a sore spot i feel so bad about what goes or did to falls <laughs> well, it only cost me fifty uh, extra gold. Yeah, it's mean, not that bad. It could could have been worse. Could have been way worse. Wasn't he? He wanted. You were originally saying seven hundred, yeah, and then I rolled a. Thankfully, I rolled a seventeen for my intimidation. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, or my whatever roll that was, where I said Gozer was going to come back and because you settle this you dispute. Know Gozer would not have come back. I know that's the thing. Gozer totally would not come back. Do you, <laughs> do you remember Falzer what you bought? Yeah, um, Wand of Secrets and a Bag of Holding. No, you did not. It was not. a two-for-one day. You did not. If you, yeah, that's what you if wrote you on keep, your sheet. If you keep on trying to pull that shit, I will kill Falzer and just outright. <laughs> like, seriously, <laughs> a meteor will fall on him. That fucking pisses me off so much. I have, I have one question on my... I have this big page. It's completely blank except for one burning question. Why does Bill repeatedly shit on every magic item I put in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, I'm interested it, to know. It's, um, it might be the fact that we don't know anything. Yeah, that's that's 100% it. Listening back, I'm, I do kind of think to myself, you know, maybe you should be buying this stuff because, the, I mean, every time you read about a magic, or every time you, you tell us, tell me about a magic item, that's the first time I've ever heard of a magic item in D&D, so... So fucking what? What the hell does that have to do with anything? We looked up the bag of holding afterwards, right? And 500 was an excellent price, according to the well, book. Well, yeah, I guess. But we don't know that, right? So yeah. No, just put on sale on, on whatever item. 
<laughs> Two yeah, for one. Do, He'll buy it. Do um do what Coles does um and put an MSRP as seventy five percent higher than what the actual right. price is. Absolutely. And I'll buy now everything. Now you're pooping on Coles. What did Coles ever do to you? <laughs> Apparently, upcharged. Yeah. I always got thirty percent coupons. Like I can't complain. Yeah. Oh, so you're only forty five percent more. I guess. Yeah. That's part. Part of it is that I. I don't know pricing. I don't know economy in D anD. d Or real so life. So I don't know that. <laughs> I Just don't kidding. Know I do the grocery shopping. Five hundred is a reasonable price for a bag of folding. It, it honestly, it has. I'm. I, didn't, I wasn't even meaning the price. It, all of the Arcana stuff. You're like, oh, yeah, these boots. Eh, I don't know when I use those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the hell, right. The hell those might boots be are pretty cool. sweet. He said, I don't know when I'm going to use the boots. Emily's like, I guess I'm just you not. You don't know yet. Yeah, not you don't creative. know what the fuck you have. I'm not creative enough, I guess, is part of the problem. There's a pretty good chance he has one level of thief in anyway, because he's going to try to steal whatever it is you, <laughs> yeah. you put on the table. Eventually, I'll have to be making you shift your alignment there, buddy. I was going to say, and again, he's chaotic good, and he goes, well, I'm chaotic. Well, see, see, the, <laughs> the thing is, though, this, that's okay. In Falzern's defense, not that I really want to support Bill right now at all. But yes, in Falls' defense, he these are thought presses, thought processes that go through his mind, but they never result in an actual action of thievery or evil doing. So these are just what possibly go through any standard person's mind. Hmm, it would be so easy to do this. But then their set of morals and the code that they live by kind of steps and say, no, 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 that's not how we do. That's not how we do things here. I am or... glad that you were able to um, I picked up on appreciate that, eh? how I was role-playing, Leland. <laughs> so yeah, so can, right. we, can we do like a little echo every time he thinks about stuff like that so it's like you're hearing it in his head? <laughs> yes, so, I'm gonna have like to the devil on I, one I shoulder, steal that. the angel yeah. on the other shoulder. Yeah, We can put that in in post. Well, on one hand, I can cast Mage Hand, but on the other <laughs> hand, he'll know I cast Mage Hand. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think we need to do that. I'm glad you told him that. I mean, he it would. I mean, it would have made for a funny story if you wouldn't have told him that. And like funny slash deadly. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you yeah something bad would have happened to you. I don't even know what. I <laughs> I probably would have got killed if I started just attacking a shopkeeper in the middle of Drukal. This was at the time you were by yourself too, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It, it honestly would have. Okay, had you I don't know Ray of Frosted the shopkeep and try to grab and run it would have mattered what you would have done when you ran into a set of guards right like the guards aren't just gonna out well maybe they will end your call but <laughs> theoretically they're not just gonna outright murder slaughter you True. <laughs> i will say we don't have to kill everybody we interact <laughs> with there is uh, i made the some... comment how many magic shop owners do we need to kill yeah, well so far <laughs> we're 50 percent, but you know <laughs> One was pretty close. Gozer was going to probably end him without the right deal. I think part of the reason I wanted to to attack him was because I am chaotic good, but um, the chaotic part of that, you know, I was a little bit ticked off that this guy was just totally screwing me um, unjustfully. But you didn't or, know unjustly. that he was screwing you. Yeah, well, yeah, because he said... Well, he um, was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so initially the the mage hand to distract him by knocking up something breakable off the shelf kind of doesn't really make as much sense. But after he tried to charge me seven hundred for it, 
just because he gave the person before me a good deal. It's like, that's not at all but fair. What was his name? Samuel Market? Market Value? He sets the price. Um, whatever uh, you're, what whatever he's going to charge is Tom what you're Tom Market. <laughs> I think it was Tom Market. Tom Market. Yeah. I do think Session 10 is where the corruption of Falzerin begin, begins. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a slippery and slope. You know what? He, he could be chaotic a cube from Sardo's shop and yeah. started way back in oh, session no. two. Did he, steal, did he steal that? I thought <laughs> yes. he thought about it, but did he actually steal it? But I do think it's a slope. Emily's right. Like, if you stand back and think about it, he's been hanging out with us way too long. Yeah, right? He's kind of picking me. up on some of our well, way too long being a couple days. <laughs> oh, and that actually—that's funny. You brought that up. I actually was tracking the number of days that it's been. The comment where Shaft's like, "Well, I've no- we're we're good pals. We've known each other for a few good days now." And right. <laughs> so, so as of right now, at the end of session twelve, you guys have only known each other for it's been five days in this campaign. Heck Wonderful. yeah! Well, we we've bonded pretty well. I don't think we've actually tried to kill each other directly, but we certainly don't care if other people kill each other. Right. I've not tried to actually kill any of you yet. No. No, no. I mean, if obviously you don't care too much if I die. I mean, you. Well, I'm raging, so I'll just bypass my, well, this no. dead body. If on the I'm ground. raging, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be able to stop and think about the fact that you need help. Here's a uh, here's a question. How do we know when Emily's raging? This came up. Does she have to say she's Look, raging, no, or can no, she just, just say her battle turn cry? These after parties into reigniting all the fires that we go through. And <laughs> well, I don't feel like that fire was totally extinguished. The actual sessions, or are we just going to move past them, resolved already, and just forget about it? I don't feel like there was resolution. No, to to blave is when she's raging. The only thing is she has to specify if it's reckless or not, verbally. Not reckless, frenzied. Frenzied, yeah. How or I what frenzied, I recall sorry. at that recording yes you had used that cry but you had never used the cry in substitution of you saying i am raging you're right so that so that's where my confusion was at that time and now of course i mean we've recorded another like five or six episodes and yeah that's that's standard now that's that's your shtick so that's why i was like well okay okay Yes, water under the bridge. We water all bridge. okay. Are okay, good. fine, fine. Yeah, we're all happy with each other now. There's no actually, nobody's uh, mad. Shaft's the best one of all of us. I was us. gonna we say, I agree. actually have a compliment for Shaft. Like, I legitimately think in episode ten, Shaft did well. John did an amazing job role playing Shaft. Oh. I think that he was really, really good. If you don't remember episode 10, you were talking about how you spent the night with your companions and that was funny and like in, in character and then like scraping together all that fake armor and going to the dollar store and all that crap. Like that was hilarious. I thought it was perfectly Shaft. I just get myself in the mind of Shaft. (laughs) I had a, um, legitimate laugh out loud moment when Shaft, you said that you went to, um, wherever that, that CD place is that you stayed the night with a bunch of ladies and um, and he said you, you couldn't couldn't stop talking about Isabella the whole time. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. And then Leland says, what a woman. <laughs> that was hilarious. Actually, on the topic of RP, I thought, I thought there was a lot of RP, not just from John, even just when Brendan Falsey were having their conversation in the bar in session 10. Um, mm-hmm. I really like that nice interaction. 
That here, was, here that we was go. very tense. And Falsy, Falsy couldn't keep his eyes off of Bryn's purse. <laughs> and, and then and then between big old bulging between sack. Bryn and Shaft, uh, when Bryn stowed her money with Shaft's little hidey hole, just kind of this mutually assured destruction. Oh, that's that they, true. This yeah. agreement that they had come to, I, I thought was really good. It just makes sense. There's been a lot of questions about like why I would grill Shaft like that and put him in that or not Shaft, sorry, Falzerin and put him in that position where you're now responsible for somehow coming up with why you're sticking with our party. It makes but, sense from Bryn's uh, perspective. Yeah, I, I guess I just yeah. want it to be believable instead of like, we're in a podcast, so we're all just going to follow each other down the yellow brick road and skip and click heels. Like, no, I wanted to come up with like, what's your motivation? Yeah. And so it made sense. No, it, it totally did. But, <laughs> but I really grilled in, you. <laughs> in the moment, I was like, oh, crap, I got to get creative here so that this is believable <laughs> because... That's a, those are valid things you were pointing out. Well, what was the last after-party promo? Like, let's not bring your personal life into D&D, honey, or whatever. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it, you do need to be a little bit creative, I think, to, um, to come up with reasons why all of us would stick together. I mean, Shaft and Gozer, I think you can, you can do that. It, it makes sense. They kind of have a, they work together and, you know, they... But sort also of. don't care about each other. That's a th- right, yeah. right. But you know, Gozer, Gozer has a benefit from hanging around Shaft. She gets paid and and gets yep. whatever. Um, and Shaft has some muscle to be able to do his job. Something for Gozer to do. Um, right. Another comment that I thought was really well role played, Emily, was I said something about I don't know. The reaction was you were like, "My mom's dead," <laughs> and I was like, "Holy <laughs> crap!" <laughs> I was like, "Okay, we're learning something new here." So I think we did something unique. I think it was, was it episode 12, where we did a little uh, backstory on Brent. Oh, that was 11. Little, yeah. 11, little memory. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it was a pretty neat uh, little scene to I think sort of give the audience something. Sure. I hope we do some more of that and get our, a little bit more of our backstory uh, of each of our characters that will sort of fill in those gaps like you're talking about. Why would somebody do what they're doing? Right. As long as you guys stop almost dying. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, as a listener, if you listen to the backstory in world lore, you heard that or some of it. Um, And I think that the way Leland described it was totally like a page turner, like in a book where you're just like, what happened? What happened? Like describing Ciari's body cut in half and all this crap was just crazy. Yeah, that was fun to put together for sure. Yeah, because we we cut it up and and recorded it. after the fact right i mean again we've had this particular episode recorded for at least a month and a half probably and uh, it just kind of happened we had a great insertion point where it was a really easy kind of takeoff point to kind of bring bryn even um again touching on the some of the great role play in this batch of three even later on in the episode of 11 was bryn role playing that she was so shaken and really that left and allowed us to really have that that impact point that we could kind of throw that in there and then it didn't and it didn't seem as if we did just throw it in there like it's some offhanded thing that doesn't quite mesh with the way Bryn is acting throughout the rest of the episode and in it just so happened how poorly she did in combat was very thematic to (laughs) to the whole situation just by the luck of the die roll but I think it was a I think it turned out really great and I was super happy with it. I think I'll comment that as a new D&D player, 
because that's sort of what we're aiming at here. Um, that was my first episode or like session where I felt like I walked away really disappointed and like really upset at like not hitting anything, not rolling right, and just like things not going my way and how I wanted. Um, especially by the end of episode 12 where I was knocked out. Yeah. I, I was pretty like upset. Like it bothered me. I know afterwards I talked to Bill about it, but then like re-listening to it, it really did end up fitting with the character, so that's good. But I think that it's important like sessions ahead now to realize that that happens sometimes. I think I bad luck makes the best story. I mean, look at Shaft. He he rolled a uh, what three ones in a row, and if it wasn't for luck, I'd be dead. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, yeah. those rolls, those terrible rolls, and that was right on the edge. He he could have. Uh, he could have bit it, and it doesn't happen a lot in Five E. I think there's a lot of ways, you know, to uh, for characters to survive. They it's it's pretty tough to kill one off, right? I mean, unless you get you know actually hit so hard that you take more than your uh, max right into the negative, which that typically doesn't happen very often. Well, either. if you're unless the party like runs themselves into something that they should just not be facing or something, right? Like, there's right. no. No DM is going to throw an ancient dragon at a party of four-level characters. Or a whole mountain full of, of baddies. Yeah. All right, all right. Just hold on, hold on. It's, <laughs> that's spoiler territory. Just, uh... Nobody would have known if you hadn't said anything. I'm legitimately curious with you guys that have played before. Like, do you ever run into situations where, like, I'm not mad at Emily and I'm I'm not... I was disappointed in my roles, and I understand where you're coming from, where that makes a good story, but, like, I was actually pretty pissed at Gozer, like, as a character. Oh, yeah. Like, Bryn was really pissed. Gozer, her critical miss is what knocked me out. Yeah, and then, I fucking loved that. I had and she's the totally one who decided <laughs> to go up and punch him, like, when I was going to try to, like, give up the guy and, like, talk my way out of it and, you know, talk about this amulet. Oh, so yeah. I was... Well, I think it brings it, it adds things for later sessions, right? If we know that uh, somebody looks at Gozer the wrong way, Gozer's going to go up and punch whoever it is. So we, as the rest of the party, have to be able to start figuring out how to control her. At least right. keep ourselves out of those problems. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, as a player, what do you guys do when you're ticked off with another person's character? You just, like, I when the game's over, you forget it? I don't know. I'm just, yeah. I guess it's all new to me where I like walk away from it and I'm still thinking about that's, it. That's, I mean, I think that's a game well played. <laughs> I think that's a game well role played for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so session 11 and 12 was one full recording session for us, right? right. So that's how session 12 kind of ended up being full combat. I don't know. That combat ran way longer than it really should have. Um, I might have bloated it a little bit more than I was necessary, probably. But again, my, and stupidly, my stupidly, my intent was not for you to be finishing that fight. Um, like, I didn't, th- yeah, I don't know. It just, it went south very quickly. And I'm like, oh, this is snowballing. And there wasn't much I could really do about you, you it. You didn't think Applebee's was going to be put out of business? Well, I, did, I don't know. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really know what I thought. I was hoping he would not die. Um, like disappear. Yeah. Yeah, or something. Uh, he did try to get away, right? He's, you know, well, he's got self-preservation. He's not an idiot. Never yeah. underestimate Falzerin, Leland. <laughs> okay. Falzerin knocks him down when he's got, like, two health left. It's not the For size the of the glory. magic missile. 
<laughs> but to finish my point was um, that entire play session was heated for all of us, I think. <laughs> like, I was pissed, too. I was pissed at Gozer. <laughs> and then that quickly led into a uh, 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 disagreement with John over rules that I was trying not to sound pissy trying to explain <laughs> which i don't that think was... they did very well no was... that's part of this podcast you shouldn't get pissed about that i was chuckling into myself while that was happening <laughs> uh so i don't know it just um yeah that was uh that was like the most heated session i think we've we've had to date gozer was truly chaotic evil it's a really good thing to bring up that people play things uh, different ways, and they don't they don't necessarily always look up the rules. They their group plays it a certain oh, way, yeah, like absolutely. we do. Hold action, right? Yeah, absolutely. And to me, I wasn't even thinking about the way you were describing it. And then when you brought it up, I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? So I think that's a really good discussion for the podcast. Number one, that it doesn't matter. You can just go and do whatever your DM says is what I want. You just agree to it and you move on, and look up the rule later, and just continue to stay into the story and have a good time. Yeah, I mean my my other play group, we that we delay, we delay initiative all the time in in that group that we play. And again, I know I think it was last after party that I made this whole thing about how we're not being touted as Elena so gleefully loved the word I used <laughs> that we're not a rules as written podcast yet. <laughs> I basically was like <laughs> being a baby about the rules as written which I don't know. It's, so we're not rules as written as long as it's convenient for me. <laughs> right. But at the same time, you didn't you didn't stop play for ten minutes to look it up and like consult right. multiple sources to make sure that like yeah we made I made a call and we just went with it. Right. Does yeah. the rules as yeah. written make sense a little bit more though when we're trying to teach the well, game yeah, to see, people that are that's, curious that's, or that's, new? That's where I'm conflicted, being like, well, okay, here I go and I change a bunch of thing things for how crafting like magic scrolls, for instance, work. Uh, even right. though the magic item creation rules are really shitty in 5e anyways, uh, then like, so wh- where are we drawing that line? It's either you got to be either do it all or you do it none or it's a gray area. I really do think it's just you, we're trying to show people that this game is not something that you have to know all the rules. You have to be, uh, you know, overly competent about everything that's written. You play it and everybody at the table has to sort of realize the DM's the guy that's sort of laying things out. And you go with what the DM says. You can have a little discussion real quick. But I usually say to you, how do you want to do this? Yeah, he has, DM has final say. He's the creator of the universe. Yeah, and that's what everybody, I think, at the table has to have that understanding before you play session one. That, hey, we're going to go in here and write a story, have a good time. If things get a little bit wonky and the DM takes it off in a different direction, just accept it and go along for the ride. Have a good time. Talk about the rules later. Well, I mean, after the after the last session, Bill was talking to me, and he was like, "Oh, Leland definitely fudged some of those rolls. He was he was making it up to save me." And I was like, "Would he do that?" But I mean, I guess DM could do whatever. We can't see what you're rolling. You could say, "That's exactly you know, right." Oh, they miss to like continue the oh, story. Oh, you're, you're talking about our, our latest, latest our, our latest latest session. I'm just saying. I thought, oh, you would never do that. But in a way, you could. One of you make a note on that, and we'll cover it in the after party once those episodes come out. Because we'll get back to it, but there's no reason, no, no sense in talking about something that's going to come out in six weeks, right? Well, I was just, like, posing no, it as something that totally, a DM could have I, I control get that, but over, that's right? A, that's a good note to come back to. I think that's a good discussion that we can have. But uh, to, finish that, to finish that point that John was making, I think, conversely, a good DM 
needs to be open to criticism from their players and allow their players to be able to make a case for the way they think something could work. And now maybe right. you don't apply that to the rules as written, but it can uh, thousands of exponentially different scenarios the way a player interprets something as working compared to the dm there's you got to have find some compromise and if it is something right. so outlandish then yeah it does fall on the dm to be like that's just insane like what do you what do you, what do you mean you're not gonna you can't jump from this building down to the ground 60 feet somersault into a roll and be fine with it you got to take some fucking falling damage buddy like right no i agree so there's a give and take between between the dm and the players for sure absolutely so that being said, did we have any questions about rules from the audience? <laughs> well, I think you had said you had John a comment about the about the actual the hold action versus the ready. Um, not hold action and ready that I. It was about oh, the it shield, was the range. Right? No, the range. It was not... yeah, yeah. So, so uh, somebody that one of our listeners asked asked about disadvantage on a. Uh, longbow attack, I believe it was. And the question was brought up if a, the longbow has a range, I don't know exactly what it was, 60 to... I think it's 60 what? 240. No, it's, 240? it's 60 150. Okay, 60 150. So the question was brought up that that individual believed that 60 to 150 was the standard. That's where you just roll the die and you know you take the number. And anything beyond the uh, high number was with disadvantage and asked the question is why we didn't have disadvantage uh you know with with five feet for close range you know what's that gap between zero to 60 feet why you know why isn't that disadvantage because it's so close and uh so we looked it up real quick just to be sure and the rule is if it's within five feet of course you're going to have disadvantage because you're trying to shoot a ranged weapon but the rule is if anything from zero essentially, or from five, I guess, or six, all the way up to the low number on the range is what your normal shooting would be without any disadvantage. Anything between 60 and whatever you said, 120, 150 is with disadvantage, and anything beyond 150 is just impossible to do with that weapon. Right, because the, the, that first way you described, then there is no limitation to the range of that weapon. That's right, right. But that's a, somebody who's been playing D&D for a while, and, you know, the question came up, and, and you just think about it for a few minutes and, and go look it up. And so there's a lot of rules like that that are... That are... Yeah, it gets into the nitty-gritties, and, and the, those are the finer mechanics of the game. And, of course, all of those mechanics always come from combat, I mean, even so in any type of game. Um... But there's also, like, a feat that will allow you to fight with a bow within five feet... Right, and and there's a a sim- warcaster is a similar feat with magic spells, ex- the same same way, same thing, and yes. and to clarify too, even on that five feet disadvantage, that is firing a ranged weapon at anybody when someone is within five feet of you. That's true. That's yeah. right. That's it's not even just point. the person within five feet of you. You try to turn from them and shoot at someone behind you thirty feet, well within your proper range, you still have disadvantage because there's somebody next to you. Oh, uh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's crap. Well, I mean, you think about it. You got somebody that's sense. right on you with that's, a sword. No, it's crap because it worked out in my dis- my not my favor. Yeah, yeah <laughs> in the next in the next few episodes, yeah, you, we do run into that rule. Thankfully, we actually did that right. Right, I think. We, yeah, okay. I was going to say something else, but that's a later episode. <laughs> I noticed we said we were going to try roll twenty. We started using roll twenty. We never explained what roll twenty is. 
Yeah, let's talk about that. Emily? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Roll20 is a website with maps that we can all walk so, into. So, so roll, roll, roll 20. Thank you. Roll 20. <laughs> Good job. Roll 20 is a, is a free-to-use uh, like online portal in which you, for you to play role-playing games. And they have, uh, I think, uh, quite a number of different actually rule sets as a resource within the uh, website itself. But predominantly, it's used for grid-based maps. And you can, you know, draw, you know, hand, draw squiggle you squiggle out little maps and they have different tokens that you can pull from them and they they also have like premium assets they call them right and and you can sign up for a subscription and get more features than that and that's how the site keeps operational and, and maintaining but you can also it, there's also a community on the site where you can find online games that you can join and play as the site itself has mic and web cam functionality so you could be you know basically playing exactly how we play i mean <laughs> theoretically we could just all log into roll 20 and be looking at and talking to each other through that as opposed to using the, a hangout call which is what we do but i think roll 20 has a has its advantages uh i think the thing that a lot of people maybe forget is partial uh three-quarter and full cover yeah and this would allow you as the players i mean theater of the mind's great but you don't see, you know, all of the, the edge of a building or you don't see, you know, behind a well and those kind of things. Uh, the only concern I had was we have to still describe it on the podcast as to what we're actually seeing. Um, my fear was we would move and say, I'm going to move 30 feet up here and the audience wouldn't know that you're standing next to something. Which we did immediately fall into. I, I mean, I, I, that's yeah. my personal opinion, at least for all of session 12, by the end of that combat... I was very lost listening back to it and being like, who, what's left? Like, I don't really understand where everybody is. Um, So yeah, right off the bat, I, we, I think we get better. I think we do get better. And a lot of that is also on, on me too. I could, cause predominantly it's my narration. So I really should be the one that is doing, uh, controlling the majority of the tokens that are on the map at the usually. Right. Um, that's definitely on me. I think we do get better in the, even in the next few episodes, I think that gets better. But yeah, that's that's definitely a concern. I prefer having a grid map. I mean, mainly because I spend a lot of time painting minis, and when we get together, I want to use them. But uh, being able to do it on roll twenty, I can at least see you know what a distance is for an attack with a weapon, or if you know if uh, Faldron's going to cast a spell and it's a cone, you can sort of get an idea. Yeah. of where it's going to go. Versus, I felt like the in DM the episodes saying. after twelve, it. Like the next major combat, I think I might be wrong. Um, super helpful for Bill and I because we're really not used to like how many feet are between us and where's this and that and like picturing it in our mind. It's not as natural. Okay, yeah. See, for me, I'm like it's it's very easy for me to do and to keep track of it too. I mean, we even again in our last play session. Um, we kind of went in, went into, kind of ran into a thing that I didn't have a map for, right? So I'm not, I'm not gonna just not do an encounter if I don't have a map for it. So we ended up just kind of doing it theater of the mind, and yeah, I could definitely tell that there was, there was like a little bit of confusion as to kind of placing and things. And of course, it's very clear to me, but obviously, I'm not describing it yeah. well enough, right? But I think that personally, that last battle where we ha- you had to ad lib it, I felt like. 
I did a better job of picturing it than I previously did. So, like, it, it obviously gets easier as time goes on. Sure, sure, yeah. Well, and again, even when you're playing Link Theater of the Mind, uh, I would say that range is not too huge a factor. Like, yes, if something... it's Because it's either going to be... Basically, it's going to be, yes, you can hit this, or no, you cannot. And it's going to be me being like, yeah, it's within range. Go for it. Whether or not, whether or not it, it would be if we were tracking it on a map or whatever, right? Right. I think you had a th- thing where you were, Falzrin was casting a spell with a cone, and you said, and the audio was, well, you're not going to be able to hit both of them. Because when you cast that cone, it's going to hit this one in front of you or one off to the side. Right, because he, right? he had a dude on either side of him. Right. Whether we had a map or not, your description of that is, is what right. all we need. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And right. and that's that was partly me works. misunderstanding how that works. I actually thought that it, it shot out in all directions from me. Well, what does of... a cone look like, Bill? Yeah, I, I missed that <laughs> part of the description. Of the it's spell. like the hat you wear. So you you missed the third line <laughs> in, in, the, the in, the, in the spell listing. You didn't read the third line, which Speaking is range. Speaking of things that Bill missed on spells. <laughs> 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 It was brought to my attention that shield, shield is not an action. Shield, the shield spells a reaction. That's right. I looked it up. It is. So you probably would have died that combat. Well, he would have been able, when he got attacked, he would have been able to react and cast shield at that point. Okay. Well, I guess it would have lasted until his next turn anyway. So yeah. Yeah. yeah I, right. I think the outcome would have been the same, but the way I described it was you still, wrong. You, would have, you lost yeah. an action, basically, is what happened. Yes, that's true. That's true. There, you, you would have done something else with that action on your turn because you would not have cast shield. Was it Ian that noticed that? Yeah. Ed? Yeah. Um, Shout out. So yeah, good question, Ian. And actually, that'll this will be beneficial moving forward. So why don't we go over how I can use shield um, in combat so that it's clear, so I don't screw it up in the well, future. Well, when you okay, when you're reading a spell, let's start with the basics. When you're reading a spell, Bill. There's a there's no 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 sorry okay. I'm not trying I'm not trying to be condescending okay. like like the spell gives you it gives sorry, you sorry you aren't trying to be condescending <laughs> no it comes wait, naturally wait 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 Bill Bill can you read let's start with the basics can was, you I'm read switching gears back to being helpful <laughs> problem number one is I can't read so so like the spell gives you it gives you a casting time it gives you a range um, right right it gives you uh, the components and what else will it give you duration so. When the uh, casting time, it'll say uh, if it's a bonus action or an action or a reaction, right? That kind of thing. Or if it's like an hour. So under shield, it'll, it'll, it says that it is a reaction. Yeah, it says one yeah. reaction. Right. So which reaction is never taken on your turn. It's always taken on someone else's turn because it's, it's literally reacting to something, right? So as soon as you get hit, and this is actually really good info for you to just have now going forward, right? As soon as you're hit, that allows you to spend your reaction to cast it and buff your AC. Now, depending on what the spell says, you may or may not, you may get the, I'm sure if, I'm sure you get the total of the hit before you get to choose to do it, right? Because if I hit you for like 16 or higher, you casting a shield on you, which makes your AC 15 doesn't help you. That's a waste of a slot, a spell slot and your reaction. Yeah, typically it'll say on there after or before the result is known right yeah yeah so one more thing that ian brought up was um identify can actually it doesn't have to be the 10 minute ritual it can be just a spell that takes a minute to cast so when falls yeah we know that 
Well, when Falzenrun was checking out that thing at the magic, 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 yeah, he didn't have to go into the back room. Yeah, and spend ten minutes. Yeah, that that was me being a cheapskate, not wanting to expend a spell slot. <laughs> yeah, you never know. But well, yeah, that's, if that's you had, true. If you had done it right there for one minute, it. you know, you would have been there for the whole Gozer interaction, and you nah, would have. That's a good point. Yeah, would have oh. potentially changed so, that whole so situation. I paid, I paid fifty gold for the. Uh, for the spell slot then basically yeah. <laughs> um well i will say uh you also don't know what type of defenses or securities are uh, or set in place in that shop so you didn't end up actually casting a spell within the shop you have no idea what could happen had you tried to cast anything you're saying shops can like uh. alarm if you cast a spell in them i'm saying that any number of effects could have been put in place for him to protect his merchandise yeah Despite Gozer being on the bullion to a lower lower price, no magic involved. That had never occurred to me. There, should, there could be cameras me. in the dressing room, Bill. Oh yeah, there he probably he watched was. you inspecting oh, your wand. Sure. <laughs> he he watched you after you left. Where where That's against the law, Leland. <laughs> Why am I continually surprised that anything is possible in this world? Oh man, I love it. Well, okay, in D&D, there is a thing called an anti-magic field that can be put up. Ooh. We learned about that with our other group. Lots of things that can prevent spellcasting. Did you know an anti-magic field can't undo an anti-magic field? <laughs> because the, I, you, you couldn't put out? the anti-magic field because it's already being anti In our last play session of our other group... We were fighting something or trying to get to something that had an anti-magic field around it. And I, as a 15th level wizard, also had that spell. And my thought was to create an anti-magic field around me, go into the anti-magic field, and be able to negate the other anti-magic field. But it says specifically on the spell that you cannot do that. So that sucked. (laughs) Because it's a magical spell, right? I was going to undo the other magical spell. Okay. A year, yeah, I get what you're saying, but you're like Didn't adding work. two. You're adding two negative numbers. You're just gonna get a bigger negative number, right? I thought I was being crafty, but right, somebody like they thought would about cancel that. each other out or something. Yeah. Oh, that so. would have been fun. Yeah. So it it is it is neat to play 15th level characters and then come back and play uh, much lower level characters. <laughs> I'll tell you, if we ever do get up into that level of wizard uh, falls in. You think you have trouble making decisions now? The uh, it it's exponential with the things that you can do as a high level magic user, a high level wizard. As a magic user. <laughs> well, I really think some of those uh, wizard in particular, that their class, their power creep is like exponential, where a lot of like the fighting base classes are more linear creeps, where you're getting pretty much the same kind of increase every level that you go up. But I mean, just mm-hmm. as as soon as this wizard jumps from even even second to third level spell slot availability at level five is huge. Just you'd be able yeah. to just oh, yeah. throw out huge damage fireballs and all that kind of stuff. Like it's it's a pretty big power jump. I will say that a lot of the spells though are uh, save spells, so it's not really like you're rolling for an attack. Uh, it's they're saving against your spell DC, which um, I mean, mine as a fifteenth level is a seventeen. Um, but the things that you're fighting are also really good. <laughs> so, you know, they save considerable amount of time. Can you explain what you mean by that? Because I don't get what you're saying. 
a save. So your save difficulty challenge uh, is how well of a, I guess it's how good of a magic user you are. What your you're casting a spell at a certain, uh, I don't know, what would you say, Le- uh, Leland? Uh, Lethality? Potency or... Yeah, yeah. potency, absolutely. And their uh, ability to with uh, withstand whatever you're giving them, they, they get bonuses on their saving throws. So if you're casting a spell that affects them, they get to save versus that. Now, the good thing is if they oh. fail, they typically take half damage. So, like, even with Fireball, uh, you know, if you cast Fireball and you take out a big swath of people, if, if they do a dexterity saving throw, if they are higher level, they might have a really good dex modifier, and a lot of them might save. And I think we kind of ran into that our last play session, like, very recently, right? Like, you had a spell yes, build that did. you could have casted where Absol- yeah, they had absolutely. to save against it. Yeah, the, saving the enemy was making I see what you're saying dexterity now. checks. Dexterity saves. Okay. Yeah. Now I see what you're saying. Okay. Well, Falsy's already a master of magic, so no worries there. <laughs> what does a DC stand for? Difficulty check. Oh, okay. All right. Um, well. Yeah, yeah. After, I mean, we eventually level up in this. Um, we'll be leveling up to fourth level eventually, and one of the new spells that I check is one of those where it's kind of a, they call it a saber suck spell. Like, if they make the save, then the spell's not going not gonna to be effective. Okay. Yeah. Usually it does half. I just was making sure that's what you were talking about, John. I'm just. There's yeah, a reason I... why I didn't choose to play a wizard the first time. But I think I think the good thing is the as we're growing in the podcast, we're getting little pieces added in, right? Right. So yep. everybody's sort of learning along with us, and and they get to learn a little more about those specific types of characters like shaft of course you know the the different things that he can do the advantages he gets at like even a third level now we we went over something in one of the i think it was episode 12 where i have hunter's mark i also have colossus Mm -hmm. slayer and you know if those things really hit and you can do all those things at one time you can do a lot of damage yeah Uh, Mm -hmm. and you know talking through it in a podcast you might not you're going to hear about it a little bit up front, but later on when we get to later episodes, we might be going through exactly what's going on with all that, right? I'll, I might say I have Hunter's Mark or I have, I'm have i going to use Colossus Slayer, but uh, we're not going to go into the details of what all that means every time. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, it just gets tedious from... I mean, we, 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 ex- we are expecting that sh- if, if a portion of our audience are newbies like we are trying to cater to, that they are also growing with the show. So we must grow with the show too. Like right. our explanations right. and the amount of info dumps that we try to limit and make as succinct as possible also need to grow and and, and evolve and improve. Um, just I have a few last uh, comments about session 12 specifically, and then we can kind of get on to our uh, one of our questions we have here. But uh, in session 12, Gozer, you had that one. Okay, so, sorry. Calming. I gotta get my thoughts in order here. <laughs> I was very surprised at how excellent session twelve turned out. I thought it being entirely combat was gonna be a little. Uh, this is get kind of tedious, but there was a lot of ups and downs in that combat. In the, in it that was exciting. 12. It was very exciting. Yeah. I thought. Uh, even listening back, I had listened to them back to uh, today uh, at work, and <laughs> like Gozer, you had that huge hit on Hank for like max damage you could have done with like seventeen damage or whatever. Like ridiculous. When you hit him, 
he had two hit points left. <laughs> I figured it was pretty close. Yeah, and then Falsey comes in and magic missiles him for three yeah. and puts him down. <laughs> we don't need and, to, we don't need to talk about hit points. <laughs> the The point is that Falzerin killed him. Kill and Falzerin Theo. himself only had two health left. We established that before yeah, you it was made that. Pretty close to being so dead. two against two. <laughs> that's pretty good you, and also you admitted you had two health left dis- despite how difficult that fight seemed and you know you kind of basically got ambushed with Hank- hank's little feint and still though you guys really disrupted uh the scouts pretty well especially basically falzer was like supporting the whole back half of that battlefield uh, so that was really great and like it could have been a lot worse and there were so many critical fails on both sides. Like, I think I crit- critical failed two or three times just with my scouts as well. Yeah. It was crazy. That fight could have been, could have went way differently too. And also... Hence my frustration. <laughs> like, halfway through, I had not realized that all the scouts also get two attacks. <laughs> and at one point in the episode, you hear Emily being like, what, they have two attacks? And I'm like, yes, yeah. yes, they do. <laughs> Because I'm an idiot and don't know how to run <laughs> games properly. <laughs> hey, we didn't notice. I don't think I didn't notice. I, I noticed when Emily said that, and I was like, I kind of didn't quite understand what was going on or why all of a sudden they started attacking twice. Yeah, but. yeah. We're using like a was a soldier uh, in the back of the book. No, that, I think it was literally a uh, scout. Scout. Okay. This is the, yeah. I think it was just a, the stat block for scout, and I just was focused on using Hanks and. At least Hank was attacking twice. <laughs> so I have a question. Did Was Hank Appleby's named prior to this episode? Yeah, he's, yeah. Come up he's, with that? he's been named since Bryn's yeah, backstory. Yeah, he was in my backstory. Do we have a whole restaurant theme on your backstory? <laughs> no, 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 no. They're like a Friday's. And that's a, the front for his There's business. Hank Appleby's and there's Frank Outback. And then... okay. <laughs> I don't want to run into Frank well, no, Outback. Frank Outback. Frank Outback is the is the Dragonborn that works for Detmer outside of Detmer's yeah. office. Oh, that's right. That's, that's Frank right. Outback. Yeah. <laughs> There's also uh, Mike Chipotle and, uh, no, Hank and, Applebee's. Um, I, I think at one, I don't know if it was in the episode, that Bill, you had said that, oh, these little half sewer halflings, like Leland must have just had in reserve to save our ass in case things went south. <laughs> I think that did make it into the episode. Yeah, I think yeah. it did. I think it did. And they uh, they were not like a contingency plan or anything. Okay. That's the reason why we were waiting for Dark, you said. I don't know why they came and saved us at the time. I didn't know. Yeah, sure. I mean, why, why are these little things popping out of sewers and stabbing the dudes we're fighting and then like taking us with them like what's going on here yeah i totally thought they were they were contingency planned for for the dm so that we didn't get a total party kill <laughs> let's uh let's not spoil anything but i mean i think the audience after episode 12 is wondering along with us are these dark darklings good or not yeah of course yeah good of course or no yeah. of course they're wondering that. <laughs> i don't know anything i'm unconscious <laughs> that's true <laughs> Honestly, the the next session is going to be really it's a it's an interesting session. It's weird, I think. It's kind of weird, yeah. It's a little the role playing's kind of weird, yeah. Yeah, things are a little messed up. Um, I do have a correction to make. I googled it. Jawas do not have red beady eyes; they have yellow eyes. So, any Star Wars fans out there, I apologize. 
so disappointed right. in you right now. May the 4th has already passed. So yeah. Yeah, <laughs> May the 4th has passed, but I just wanted to throw it out there. Did you guys have any last things that came to mind? And then like we can get to... Um, a, there's one kind of sizable question here that we could probably finish off with. I got two quick things. We mentioned TPK, but I don't know if we ever explained what that meant. I said total party kill. Well, TKO, very similar. Yeah. To- yeah, total every the entire party dies. And it can't happen. And Won't Leland has threatened us. Right? <laughs> yeah. Leland threatens us continually about it. <laughs> every time we But he sends in some darklings to save us. Uh, (laughs) i have noted down that john will not lie about his roles if he dies he dies that does not necessarily imply that i'm lying about my roles oh uh, really okay because that was the first (laughs) i think that could imply some things yeah i mean here's the things i expect leland to lie about his roles because he's moving the story along or doing something occasionally can emily emily can you roll a deception check and i'll roll up whatever I want to know if you're lying about your role. Most of the time, I am not. (laughs) (laughs) That is the chaotic evil answer we all thought would happen. Well, do not be surprised if suspiciously every attack roll ever on Gozer starts to hit her. (laughs) I swear, I swear, it's a a 17. (laughs) Show it on the screen. And then we did have some little confusion about the disengage action being a bonus action. I thought. Oh, because well, I mean, uh, yeah, because Bryn. Was I have using it as a cunning. I action. have it as a bonus action. It's yeah, a, it's a bonus action for Bryn. Cunning action gives me disengage, dash, dash, or something else. Uh, hide. That's quite, that's quite hide. nice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, cunning action is awesome. That's that's a specific rogue class feature. Cunning action and sneak attack are two sweet things that get right up front. So yeah, but anybody can disengage, but that would be their main action. That'd be the only thing they could do. Right. But exactly, Bren gets it as an extra thing. If I had it to do over again, I know we're not multi-classing, and we don't need to get into what that means. But I would have taken uh, one level of rogue, and then went to ranger to be able to get mm. those those factors. The sneak attack and those cunning things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're um, pretty sweet. Because even I mean, even at one first level rogue, like extra sneak attack damage is an extra d6. I mean, that's not that bad. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Personally, okay. let's get into this uh, one sizable question here from our good pal Ian. He's uh, on Twitter. You can follow him at Taco Ian. And I think uh, why don't we just invite Ian to our Discord channel because he's <laughs> 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 really the only one we get questions from. So. <laughs> yeah. But he sent uh, another lovely email, so thank you very much for reaching out. He says, For this after party, I have a few questions about DMing. I have been a DM on and off since I first played D&D in 1993. Today, DMing is what brings me the most fun in RPGs. What resources have you used to learn to be a better DM? I really enjoyed Sly Furish's The Lazy DM Book. Also, I like Jason Alexander's blog, thealexandrian.net. And I learned to love sandbox randomly generated games from the dark of Hot Springs Island. That has taught me a lot about how to run a sandbox where you cannot plan for things. What tools do you use while running your games? Do you use your audio stuff when recording or is that edited in? Do you use random generator sites like donjon.bin.blah blah blah? What is your favorite DMing moment from Mass <laughs> Campaign? Okay, so that's a lot to break down there. 
one, I totally agree with you, Ian. I 100% prefer to DM uh, than be a, a player. Like, all hands down. I think I've mentioned that in our very first after party. And as far as resources, all those resources you've listed, I have not checked out. So thank you very much for those recommendations. I totally will look into them. But I really don't use that much. I mean, there's lots of YouTube stuff I look at. I mean, all of uh, Matt Colville's stuff is good. Um, Taking 20 is a great YouTube channel. There's another Dungeon Dudes. There are a couple uh, Canadian guys from Saskatchewan, I think. Um, Yeah, it's all good resources. But a lot of it is, is, again, it's geared towards like kind of beginner stuff it's like explanations um which really i think is all that a burgeoning dm kind of needs because once they have those basics part of being the, a dm and and is is honing how you interpret them and how you use them and do your own stuff with them i think anyways yeah so t- like tools uh again i don't don't really use any of this stuff that you recommended i maybe i should like like randomly generating stuff, I, I don't randomly generate anything. Um, I don't even really use random encounters all that much. I so basically what I do when I start a campaign. One, I've never played a a uh, like a storied campaign. I've only ever homebrewed, so it's kind of all my experience. My lim- very limited experience has been, uh, and also strictly in five e, but. I I mean I just like going through like the monster manual stuff and then I I read the lore right the sometimes it's limited other times there's kind of like you know even just a simple a uh, single sentence you'd be like oh this is really cool how do I expound expound on this this concept of this creature and then I kind of like like I have a word doc of I I've labeled it like future encounters and basically I have like you know a few pages of notes of cool encounters that i think would be awesome to run and would and want to share with with the party basically and so those kind of take the place of my you know quote-unquote random encounters as opposed to you know there's a myriad of of tables that uh, have resources especially in 5e there's tons of resources where you just can randomly roll on things and generate these encounters and so i don't know it's all kind of just homebrewed so i don't really use much for that kind of stuff um, I know John, you you've DM'd, right? Yeah. What do you what do you think of this? Do you have some go to resources yourself, or? So unlike you, I, I've done a lot more of the modules, okay. right? Um, so I we played, of course, back in the in the good old days when we had the old you know B two keep on the borderlands and and uh, you know all the different modules. So it sort of gave you a guideline of what you were doing and where you were going to, but I would throw things in, right? If the, if the party wiped things out pretty easily, you could throw in something else to make it a little more difficult, sort of balance everything. Um, I don't use a lot of random tables. I tend to just pick something that I know. And I think you even mentioned in one of the, the, you'd like to throw hands in there, you know, as little creatures. <laughs> yes. I like, things, I right? like the crawling claws. Yeah. So I think everybody gets their little ones that they like the, you know, to get, to use depending on the level of the party and how many people we have, uh, you know, how many people you have in the party. But I don't typically do that. I, I will sit down and if I want to add something into the module that we're playing, I come up with it sort of like you do. I sit down and come up with a plan and put the creatures and I know what I'm going to use and I sort of have it all ready to go. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, it's good and bad. It, it's good to be able to do something on the fly. Uh, if they turn left instead of right and you need to sort of, but I tend to 
to sort of gear it. If I had them, if I planned for them to go right, and they go and they find uh, those creatures, and they ended up going left, they're still going to run into those creatures. I'm just going to modify the story a little bit, right. and and make it happen. So. Right. You you make it so they don't know they went left instead of right. That's right. Right. Um. And you honestly though, like another, <laughs> I like it when you guys throw me for a loop, and I like having to improvise, and I. I th- I think it's one of my stronger suits, um, despite a lot of mistakes and minor things that always, especially again. I know I've said this before, but recording, I'll be like going back and through editing and being like, man, I wish I'd actually had something like that prepared because I could have made it way cooler. So that's a that's a con for that, right? For me, anyway. In my experience, the doing the modules, uh, I did Horde of the Dragon Queen, and uh, the problem with with doing those is there. Are, are key people, right? And you get the party maybe interacts with somebody and that guy you know is going to show up later in Chapter 7 and he's very important and then they just beat the living shit out of him and you think he's going to die. And you have (laughs) to come up with some way to make that... You're very limited in your abilities to to do certain things within a module. I think Freeform is probably much a much better approach, but it's more work up front for the DM. Yeah, I, yeah, it definitely is. Though, um, like you were saying, how you know you're gonna find that a lot of DMs have their their little go-to monsters or their go-to encounters, whether they be combat or even social encounters. Um, yeah, I have a few go-to social encounters that I'm waiting to get to for sure. But you know, you, like write what you know. If that's what you know, and that's what you know the best, then it's gonna show to your players, right? right. And that's also where another con of the improvisation. Regardless of how well you are, I don't think, I mean, uh, personally, I will never be as great at improvising ever as it's going to sound as if I had something fully prepared. Because one, because obviously, you know, having things way fleshed out is a much better experience just for everybody. I mean, even myself, if I write something down, I'm like, and I can make it like basically come to life. Like, of course, I'm going to be happy. I mean, sitting over here with a heart on, I mean, like, yes, I'm, I'm awesome. <laughs> and, uh, keep that behind the. Behind that doesn't the that screen. doesn't transpose into podcasting. Like, yeah, keep that behind the screen, Leland. You need to let everybody know if you're excited about something. <laughs> right, but on on again on. <laughs> all right, I'll, 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 I'm hard, everybody, listener. I'm hard. <laughs> oh, gosh. See, I, I think that adds tension, and uh, yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> Well, we told Leland pretty recently, we said, whatever you want the party to do and you're planning that we might do, just maybe also plan the opposite because we seem to just completely we go seem, the other we way We seem sometimes. to often go left when the plan, yeah. when the DM's the plan, is, plan right. is for us to go right. <laughs> well, okay. I will say that I never have a plan for what you guys are going to do because obviously I can't plan for that. So I have... Right. I have... Uh, I pr- I have predictions of what I think you were going to do. Now, whether right. or not you happen to do them, like John said, if I have something that I really need you guys to encounter, you're you're going to encounter it eventually. Whether or not you're going to encounter it at the base of or the Vorgrag Mountains, or if you're going to hit it all the way down at the southernmost tip of the Phalaren Forest, some somehow somewhere, like it's going to happen because I feel that it needs to happen. And also, yeah. again, it's like this cool encounter that I think is going to be fun, and I want to to come to life but again back to the improvisation thing just to finish that the the another another con of it compared to the the like fully fully fleshed out and prepared segment is that you may you 
just because you have it fully prepared, you can't, you shouldn't, sorry, you shouldn't, in my opinion, try to shoehorn it in and make sure that everything you have prepped comes to fruition. Because again, true, that's going to come across as you doing exactly that. So you have to be able to know when to just let something go and then move your prepared stuff into improvisation and back and back and back and forth and kind of just this teeter-totter and this real balancing act, I think, that that I don't see a lot of people talking about as far as DMing resources and stuff. I think it really is this fine balance that there's there's it is a balancing act, but there is so much give on either side of it that it's it's just super forgiving. And you 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 I mean you're gonna get out what you put in. That's the bottom line, right? And that goes with everything. I mean you you're can have get- a sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you're going to get the gozers that go up and punch somebody and, you know. Well, I mean, you can have a, a dungeon where the the rooms are laid out, where you go in, you go through desk and turn over some beds, you find nothing, you go room after room after room. That's really going to be fun for everybody, right? So as a DM, if you see the table starting to, you know, wane a little bit, throw something in there, make it exciting. You know, that's that's what you have to do on the fly. It doesn't matter what's written. You just have to make... You're there for four to six hours. I don't know, whatever people's sessions usually run. To enjoy being there with each other and having a good time. Throw something in there It's going to scare the hell out of them. If you know you have an hour and a half left and you don't have time for a big combat, go in, you know, go to town and do something. Or, you know, time it out. Yeah, I mean, that's also kind of a difficult thing to do sometimes. Like, I think uh, we're getting way better at that as as our, I mean, it's easy, it seems to be easiest for to find a playtime on a weekday, which with our time difference, me being on the West Coast, compared to you guys, that three hour difference is, is pretty significant for you guys, right? Yeah, that's so true. So really, we get in a couple hours on on that weeknight that we play. And I think we're getting better at, at keeping it to that time, you know like realizing that that is the time frame in which we are playing with. And again, it's, it's not, I don't think it's, it's hindering what we're doing and I don't think it ever will. Not if I have anything to say about it. I don't think you're railroading us in one direction or another. I think sometimes we realize for the sake of time to like, can we just say we get to this place and you tell us like what happens or remember, like we've kind of had that a little bit recently. Speed it up a little bit. Yeah, but I get what you're saying. Yes, that was a bit of a different situation. But yeah, you're 100% right. Like, there's just some things you should probably just hand wave because why the hell not? Um, Especially in the world. Like, you know, you could play a campaign depending on your DM where, like, every time you're out traveling and every time you stop or to take a rest, he's rolling on a random encounter table. Right. 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 To whether or not, oh, okay, great. This night, nothing happens because, you know, nothing's nothing's kind of in the area because I rolled a zero on this D100 <laughs> table, right? Oh, uh, but then the next night, whoo, I rolled a 56. Well, guess what? You're going to fight a pack of dire wolves that come upon your camp kind of thing, right? It could be 18 sessions for us to get from Drew Call to Goldham. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's good DMing. Yeah. Well, yeah. That That's why I like to take that that approach that I do with quote unquote random encounters. Now, like when you guys go left instead of right, everything that is happening or would happen that you would come across right is going to still happen in my game. And I, I know I've said this before too, right? Like it just means you're going to suffer the consequences of 
whether or not you do get a chance to interact with whatever's happening right, you'll, those consequences will just may or may not surface up later, depending, again, well, you've turned left here, but at the next fork, if you go right, you're going to run into those consequences. But if you continue to go left, those consequences are still happening, but they're going to be affecting some other part of the world. Right. Yeah, I think that's really interesting that, that that's how you're playing it out in your mind, that, you know, you have multiple other forks of you know a story that's happening in this world and it's continuing to go on um, concurrently with what we're doing and just eventually we we're going to cross paths with that other story that's happening and whatever has happened in our absence from that storyline we're gonna come in we're gonna insert ourselves into that timeline you know further down the road which is cool yeah, I like it. I like it too. Um, it's just like I have to be able to effectively, you know, press upon you and, of course, now in this situation, the listener, that this decision is a result of this consequence that you are now experiencing, right? Because uh, you, you still have to find the way to kind of all tie it back in for your players so they realize, oh, man, it would have been so cool had we done this instead of that in this, in this memorable instance. Which is which is really sometimes it's it's hard to do and sometimes you just won't be able to do it so you just kind of have to let it fall by the wayside again you just kind of have bits and pieces of you know plot just all over the place and some of it may get picked up and some won't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emily, have you ever DM'd? Once it did not go well. Um, I co DM'd with John and if it wasn't for John, it would have been a TPK. Um, I might be she a, goes her to her DM session. I, I might oh, no. be a bit too competitive <laughs> to be an effective DM at the moment. That's something I need yeah. to learn. Do you, yeah. do you did you enjoy it or do you enjoy being a player more? I, I liked it. It's a lot to keep track of like just calling people by their character names instead of their real names. Yeah. And then on top of that, everything that's going on in the world and what happens in what room and I mean it was just basically a dungeon crawl was all it, all I did. And it was just a lot to keep track of all at once. So Ian, in his question, he said he DM'd almost as soon as he started playing type thing? Is that? Yeah, he says he's been a DM on and off since he first played in uh, 93. So, like, how long did you guys play as players before you DM'd? We've been playing since, what, 2015, honey-ish? On 5e, yeah. I mean, when I was younger, we, we had a She's group of... She's asking like, about four... me. I wasn't there well, when you were all, younger. Well, all you guys, really. Like, I'm just curious how much and, like, sort of experience <laughs> you need to feel sort of comfortable to try to tackle that sort of thing. Well, I, I mean, I only DM'd for the first time this year. Okay. So that's, like, four years. Yeah, about that. And, like, how many campaigns or how often did you play? Uh, let's see. Major campaigns, we we did Curse of Strahd, which was a year and a half. We did um, Mines Horde of... Horde of the Dragon Queen. Yeah, Horde of the Do- Dragon Queen, which we only did half of that. We did the Mines of Fendelver. So yeah. this sounds so stupid, a, but, like, few campaigns, campaigns that have names like that, they're, like, pre-made by yeah. somebody? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those are, those are and we also ones. created our own world, actually, and we have our yeah, own. Uh, we did a, quite a bit of a campaign that we've, uh, as a collective, been creating our own world. Okay, that's cool. What about you, Leland? How much um, time did you spend being a player before you first DM'd? Uh, very little. Um, a a short bout of a campaign in fourth edition, and then I started DMing fifth edition. 
and I had never I had never played five e before I DM'd. Okay, right. but you're drawn to DMing as well, like yeah, you like I, th- I, I like story. I like crafting the story, yeah. Yeah, I like obliterating the people playing the game. <laughs> so I have work of our very power. So it's probably not a good thing for me to DM. I mean, I really enjoy being a character. I can't imagine like the sort of um like Emily said, like the immensity of like everything going on. Yeah. So like I think I'd, yeah. My personality would probably be um well suited to being a DM, but yeah, I don't I know. It I'd be very nervous about trying to juggle everything. And also I'm I'm getting more comfortable with improv, but you know you really have to be able to be a bit comfortable flying by the seat of your pants. Very much so. Is is something that's new for me. I would like all my character voices to come to light. I have quite a few <laughs> in reserve. <laughs> well, maybe someday you could do a one shot for us. Yes, I was just gonna say. Eventually, we're like, we're, I want to play on mic with you guys. That would be kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, that'd be fun. I just, I would definitely be nervous and, like, really need to prepare. That's that's my personality is to be, like, over-prepared. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be a, a little bit like public speaking, right? Like, 99% of people get nervous before they public speak, but a lot of the time, you know, once they get up and they start going, they get into a groove and it's not as bad as I think it's going to be. I'm interested in learning, though. It's It's all just, like, so much going on. Yeah, and I I would say really, yeah, it's it's tough. I don't want to be. It's tough not to. It's tough to give advice to new DMs. I mean, I would say, what worked for me is knowing the rules of the edition. Right. I am a bit of a, a rules hound as it is, without any in any in board games and all that stuff. Anyways, so I think that's was an easy draw for me. I mean, I pick up that player's handbook, or I pick up, yeah, the player's handbook and the the DMG, and starting uh, in, in, with fifth edition, and like blitz through them and got a handle on on the game, and then rounded up players like, hey, let's let's start playing. I'll I'll, I'll run a game, and yeah, you're gonna be rusty. Like when we first started started this, I mean, starting before we started playing, it was the first time I had uh, DM'd in probably two or two at least two years, maybe oh, wow. even closer to three. Um, so that was super rusty, that. super duper rusty. And I feel like I still am. I feel like I'm still stilted. I think you're doing a good job. You're using words like stilted. You're fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, well, sure. I mean, that's just everyone's going to be self-critical of themselves. But you just got to do it. I mean, it doesn't help like if we were to put you guys on mic to be doing it for your first time. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh, man. But I mean, we could get together and play off mic and just play. Well, I mean, even on mic, like part of this would be like, I would be totally open to being corrected or like being encouraged to do one thing over another. Like it's all learning experience, this whole podcast. That's sort of the point is like, don't be afraid to listen to us if you're curious about RPGs or D&D, right? Like you're not even sure about it. Sure. I mean, what what if you're curious, you're DM curious too, like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know I am. I know I just spent the last 30 minutes talking about being a DM, but I don't, <laughs> even so, I don't like speaking about DM tips and tricks because I don't feel like I have them to offer anything different than anyone else out there who are much more qualified slash better at just running games than I am. So I don't feel like I'm some type of authority in 
<laughs> I'll, you know, I just like to talk about shit and I'll talk about anything <laughs> for any amount of time until someone stops me. <laughs> um, so like that, I think it's much easier to be like, Hey, yeah, we can show you how to be a, be a player. Cause, cause they have way more of a, 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 a confined rule set in which they abide by compared to being a dungeon master. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think, I think like you said, um, if you want to DM, you're probably gonna have to do a bit more homework. You're gonna have to do a bit more reading because there's a lot of rules that the DM has to know that the players don't, right? The DM needs to, but you can also kind of freehand it as well, I guess. You know, like as we've been saying, you know, you can kind of, you don't have to. Yeah, play by the but rules then exactly. also, like in this specific example, if D- if Elena was DMing, she has Leland and John who know the rules pretty well and any questions she has they could answer yeah that would help me feel more comfortable for sure but like i I think the after party is a great example of a area where leland can talk about dming and why he made certain choices he made and it also helps those who are dm curious and maybe have played as players for a little while and they're they're like what's kind of going on like we say in the promo like behind the screen right yeah, I agree with that. After parties is a free for all for everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whether you I'm, feel qualified or not, those are tips. I'm glad that Ian asked that question actually because it, most of the time we don't we don't focus a lot on um, you know Leland's perspective as the DM and um, what's going through his head, sort of thing. So that was a good question. Yeah, it was great. And the the last the last little bit here, which I don't think we've quite answered. So. Basically, the only tools that we're using when we're running the, when I'm running the game is like roll twenty, pretty much. That's that's it. Um, and then as far as all the audio, like the music and stuff, that is all put in. In that's, post. Yeah, in post exactly. That's all edited in. So we actually don't have any of that music playing when we're like listen while we're listening while we're playing. Just the dulcet tones of Leland's voice. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Just just the cacophony of the dead silence when I say something stupid <laughs> that I get to, I get to cut out. I need so, to Google that cacophony. So that is what oftentimes um, you may notice, listener, where like, you know, it, the tone, there's going to be a, a, a pretty big juxtaposition to tone in what we're doing and saying and, and laughing with it compared to maybe the atmospheric music in which is trying to lend more to, to the, the actual events of what's playing out as far as our, our, our peeing and, and the, the game setting. But I don't think that whatever we're just shooting the shit we're having fun i don't think it's jarring or has is taking away from anything at least that's no. what i think anyways no i yeah, like it yeah. plus it allows me to put in the to sync up some sweet audio beats on the on the 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 good stuff i definitely like it during combat and stuff we're like the tavern it's like good background noise yeah or when you had the heartbeat yeah when we yeah. were fighting yeah that's like my new favorite track to to use <laughs> Yeah, I really, yeah, I like that one. I really like that one. That one's uh, it's like a, it's supposed to be like like the thing, like Outpost Thirty One. That's like a, a spoofy of it. I think it worked really well leading up to uh, Bryn's flashback. Like it was, oh it was yeah, that was sweet. Really intense, and then we had the flashback, which was also very intense. Um, which great job, uh, Leland and Elena doing. I, like, I thought it was good. Surprised myself at how, like sort of baffled and taken back i was like seeing hank i was a little i was way quieter than i think i normally would be yeah yeah 
You were. It just it just worked out really well. Yeah, and we didn't out. um we actually recorded that back story separately too. We weren't actually like talking to each other when we were doing it. Yeah, yeah that was a question that was brought up to me. Did did we talk about that during the session and then, you know, No, said, we no, didn't. We... So the characters still actually don't know. Like Shaft and Falzerin and Gozer, they don't know that whole backstory. There's there's more coming out in later episodes. Um, but yeah, I was at home recording, no, by myself. <laughs> and uh, put the sword down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I could hear it from the other room and I was, I was a little it's concerned. Like, what the heck? Yeah, yeah I, like, I like being able to insert stuff in. You know, we play, we, we play live. We do whatever happens, but then being able to go in and insert stuff in later, I don't think takes away from the uh, action and what we're doing, oh, yeah. uh, but it does give a lot more to the story, I think. And, and I think more the more that we do that and, and the audience gets a little bit different perspective on our back yeah. char- uh, character backgrounds, I think uh, it's going to make it all, all together better. In yeah. The end. I'm super excited for more flashbacks. Like, Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I, um, we talked about this a bit in the last after party that, you know, when we were talking about character death and I had said that the thing that would probably hurt for me the most is all of the backstory that I've put into Falls or in that hasn't really come out yet in the campaign. Um, so I think the flashbacks will be a good way to get little bits and pieces of that to kind of seep through and, and show their face in the campaign. That'll be more interesting for the listener and more fun for us because we're going to hear it as well when we listen back. So I'm excited about that. Yep. So we have a lot of great things to come. We have what, Leland, you think we have about six episodes already in the can? Right, not edited yet. But... We have, I think it's eight, actually. I was going to say more eight. than that. Yeah. And we're going back to a Monday, Thursday schedule now, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. The original schedule that we first launched with. Because now we're about... Like, you know, a, a month, uh, like four weeks ahead on releases compared to what we've recorded, which I think is a nice buffer for us and, and which we're going to try to maintain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one, we're not scrambling. And then also on the conversely, it's not, you know, two months since we recorded something and then it comes out. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, even to, to that, like um, to the that is wrapped in with all the inserting the backstory stuff too because that that just really shows the progression of the show itself uh even even these after parties were literally like we had like released and we're like hey we should probably let's start doing these because that would be awesome that was not something even remotely planned as far as when we first started recording our sessions and we're working up to a release date and so are some of this insertion of this this background these backstory stuff and all these deeper character moments that we want to express, that's all just the evolution and, and progress of the, of the show. Just, you know, as we're listening to it, as we're, as we're, we're getting a, a much more uh, in, involved um, look at how it's really shaping up, then we're able to make these decisions and add these cool things that we all think are awesome and, and want to continue to do. So I agree. I think, uh, I think we're about an hour and 20 minutes now, so... We have one more question. Oh, okay. Yeah, it came came from Twitter. Um, it's from Troy Allen. He's at Troy Likes Stuff. Great guy, good follow. Um, he says, 
what is the incorrigible club? Why won't anyone tell me? <laughs> Troy and I have had this conversation in the past. Again, we are the incorrigible party. Yeah, which is kind of birthed from the incorrigible club, but birthed from, but not the same as. That's true. Yeah, uh, that's, what, that's what my mom tells me all the time too. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> birthed from, not the same as. Oh no. I don't know, Billy. Bill, anybody else want to take this one? I I think we need to keep uh, keep secret secret. If he hasn't been told yet, then we don't want. To, <laughs> what is your want t-shirt? Out of the bag. What does the t-shirt say? Incorrigible. Please do not encourage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love how that was. I think that was already that was a t-shirt that already existed. That we yeah, just it did. Found yeah. right. Yeah, that's too yeah. funny. Who who started calling it incorrigible, or as Leland says, incorrigible? Uh, <laughs> Bill actually coined I think the Bill. term incorrigible club. Yeah. What? Well, I mean, I don't like to brag, but seriously, <laughs> no. It it all came. Uh, Leland always. Leland replies to some dude hate, on Twitter. I hate a, to say his a name. Bot. Yeah, we won't say his name. Oh a bot. no. Christopher. We're talking about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Yeah. Oh, no. Take your chits. His name's Christopher? I thought it was... Okay. No, it's Christian. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Christopher. It's Christopher Kong. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So, yeah. Anyone who's unfortunate enough to, to follow him on Twitter will see his daily tweet about working out. We and... will not say Look, his Twitter we're handle. not here to promote that at all. <laughs> that's true at take you your can, chits you can edit this out right Leland does anybody <laughs> even even pay attention to it anymore I mean it's kind of died on the vine it's like so passe yeah nobody even comments on that anymore it's like a waste is of time Ka- is Kang still a thing anyway <laughs> so, but, so but, sorry, but, sorry but, to not answer your question uh, Troy <laughs> we're, giving, we're giving you a non-answer we're, we're not giving credit to uh, to Christopher for starting anything. What no, about no. Bill? Though? He tried to He's take cla- it today. Bill's, Bill's yeah. claiming credit though. <laughs> Are we giving Bill the credit? He's he's trying to claim. No, Bill put a name to it, but I'm the one that right. really started encouraged being encouraged. Oh, oh, there yeah. it is. I I well, coined I'm just the saying, name. I'm the one that used the fucking word. It, I agree. Uh, yeah, Leland sort of as far as the name being being stuck with us. But I think it was a collect. There's actually a collective of individuals yes, who uh, who tried to figure out how to make people's phones die uh, by sucking with, all the battery by life out. Over-jiffing. yeah, overjiffing. Yeah. So yeah, um, I think that was the uh, the crux of it. In our in our heyday, I believe on Twitter uh, we were we were sucking phones dry. Yeah, we're all getting get up uh, in the morning. getting a little older, getting a little slower. Stuff well, to I mean, I, I don't want to let out a secret here, but I turned my Twitter notifications off a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's why you see like eight hours later, you get 20 notifications from me going back and just liking all the... Well, <laughs> now it's the goddamn Discord channel. I had to turn those off, too. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. 
Our incorrigible party channels pretty hopping during work days. That's a that's a Patreon level uh, fifteen dollars per month. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even then, you can only be a fly on the wall. You can't chat to us. You can just watch our just garbage all day. Observer status. Observer status. So we need we need to pay them. To and do it's that. just horrible. It's like watching a car accident all day. Oh man, that's horrible. Voyeur Club. That's yeah. I think I'm into that. That's kind of kinky. <laughs> Watching paint dry. Oh, well, man. alert, Lister. Hard alert. <laughs> okay. Behind the screen, Leland. <laughs> Stay behind your screen. Oh, Wouldn't you man. like to peek behind the screen? That's the twenty-five dollar oh. Patreon level. Oh yeah. That is the title of this after party. <laughs> peek behind the screen. They don't have titles. Oh dang it. <laughs> Do you even listen to our podcast? I'm just kidding. I do, but it skews skews the data. Three of us listened today to three different episodes that bumps our numbers by at least nine downloads. I know. It's incorrigible. (laughs) You four are incorrigible. I hope that answered your question, uh, Troy. (laughs) And, and... Welcome to uh, the club! Now... Now that you know, you shall never ask it again. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Buy the t-shirt. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Like, you know everything we know. That's- first rule of incorrigible club is nobody wants to be in incorrigible club. Yeah, the first oh, absolutely. rule. Yeah, if you want to be a member, there's no way you're getting in. The second rule of the club, there is no incorrigible club. <laughs> you mean all you have to do is put it in your Twitter name and you're in. Yeah. <laughs> hey, now there you go. See, now... You just Join gave the club, away the y'all. secret that I didn't want anybody to know. Hashtag incorrigible. God damn it, Leland. That was it. That was the whole that's the whole damn thing. There's nothing more to it than that. Well, I will say, I will say, the incorrigible club itself is like the upper echelons of of everything. But the incorrigible party is the upper upper echelon that even reigns yeah, yeah, yeah. even more supreme than the club, I'm afraid. So. That's true. Yeah. And ain't nobody else getting into Encourageable Party because I don't want to have to handle anyone else. <laughs> well, I mean. But for $100 a month, you could be a fly in the wall of our Discord, and we might not have to work anymore. That'd You're be right. awesome. You're right. For $150 a month, you could be a fly on the wall. How many flies on the wall do we need to quit work? <laughs> now, do do guest NPCs, uh, do they can they consider themselves an honorable Encourageable Party members? No, that's why they're called non-player characters, not player characters. <laughs> okay. Let's not even get into guest NPCs right now. They're I don't coming, know. Stay listener. Tuned, yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> You'll be t- tuned for a long time. No, no, they're coming. Eight episodes or so. Shorter, th- shorter than you think. It'll be here. You just—it's like waiting for Santa. It'll be it's here like a month. in like three nights sleep. Ah, no, no problem. I can handle that. Get your little Christmas advent calendar. Yeah, you got, you got thirty days or so. Yeah, like what do you say? So two episodes a week. You said eight episodes. I mean, okay, we're we're at an hour and a half now. Yeah, let's finish this off because we know we're going to talk for uh, forty five minutes after this before we go to bed. <laughs> Always. So, uh, Brian did suggest that maybe we introduce ourselves at the beginning and end of the after party, just our names and our characters. Sure. <gasps> Why? I'm just kidding. Brian's a loyal listener. Is it because Will Emily doesn't advice? sound like Gozer in real life? Surprise! Well, I sound like this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask John. <laughs> well, I, I can see where the confusion lies. Leland Steele is a man of many voices, as this oh, podcast is 
his, sh- his sh- show very accurately. I regret bringing so. it up now. Yeah. I've yeah. been Leland. <laughs> Our beloved DM. I-, I think he's trying to sign off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> try, try it again. This is Leland Steele signing off. Uh, this is Emily. I play Gozer. This is John. I play the best character, Shaft. This is Falzerin. I I mean, this is Bill. I play Falzerin. And I'm Leland Steele. Thanks for listening to the Incorrigible After Party. Stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> well, I'm Bryn. I play Elena. I'm the rogue elf. All right, I'm hitting stop now. I Goodbye. the... I started the intro as, as Leland. I had to finish it. And that's our show. Our intro and outro music was created by Josh Jarvis. For your own musical inquiries, contact jamesmercymusic at gmail.com. All other music and ambient noise is courtesy of tabletopaudio.com. The Incursible Party is sponsored by Critical Hit Design. Visit criticalhitdesign.com for all of your graphic design needs. You can find more info on the characters and world at incursibleparty.com. Enjoying the show? Have any questions or rules corrections? Email us. Contact at incursibleparty.com or reach out on social media. The Incursible Party on Facebook and Instagram. At IncourageablePar on Twitter. Using the hashtag AfterPartyIP for a shout out during our behind the screen After Party episodes that drop every fourth release. Happy adventuring! Well, I think we're at, at the level we are. We could do a lot of damage to one or two creatures. When you throw a whole bunch of us, at, a bunch of them at us, yeah, it's going to be a lot more difficult because we're not going to be able to split that up. Right. Did you plan on the little halfling guys coming up, or was that because I attacked and you needed some way to save us? Uh, I didn't want to kill us. Yeah, um, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think he had a fail-safe in place just so the podcast wouldn't end. <laughs> well, it's been nice playing with you guys. Yep.